Hey guys, welcome to Church Unlimited. We always like to start off with our mission statement, so let's say it together. We are here to do what? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Today, I'm excited to finally talk about entering the promised land. I thought I was gonna get to this weeks ago, but God kept bringing me to other steps to bring to you that are necessary before you get to the promised land. But today, we're actually talking about entering into the land of promise, the future that God has for you. If you wanna pick up with me in scripture, we're gonna be looking at Numbers chapter 13. I thought we were gonna look at Joshua and how he led the people into the promised land. But instead, God really began to speak to me about Caleb because Caleb is one of the few of all the spies that, that Moses sent into the promised land to check it out, to, to just do the research. Him and Joshua, uh, Caleb and Joshua were the only spies out of 12 that got to actually go into the promised land. So what's the difference between those who enter their promised land and those who are also believers that never really enter the full potential that God has for their lives. We're gonna talk about that today. So I'm excited about this. So the first part of the scripture, Moses has sent 12 spies in, one that represents every one of the tribes of Israel. They go in to check out the promised land and they come back with a report to all the people of Israel to give them, to tell them what they experienced, what they saw and to prepare them to go into the promised land. Let's pick up in scripture and see the difference between those who get to go to their promised land and those who miss out. Check it out. It says this, we enter the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country. But the people living there are powerful. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Now, I looked up the word descendants of Anak in the original Hebrew language, it means Shaquille O'Neal, okay? So the point is actually they're really big people that were terrifying and they were afraid. They were so big, there's no way I can, I can fight them, right? Let's keep going. But Caleb said, let's go at once to take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report. How many of you guys know that bad news always spreads faster than good news? And that's exactly what was going on here. The land we, we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. Now, does that sound realistic? So if you go in the land, the land will literally eat you. Obviously, this is hyperbole. This is, I mean, this is totally unrealistic, but isn't that what we do when we get fearful of our future? Oh no, if I go off to that job, I'll lose my job within a week. Really, you're gonna get hired and fired within a week? I mean, that's not realistic. Oh, if I do this, oh, everyone there is gonna be against me. So the whole place is against you? Like, don't you think that's a little extreme? Isn't it funny how fear gets so big in our mind? They're giants, they're gonna swallow us up. That's how these guys were thinking. They were thinking it was just so terrifying and. But the people who saw the same thing they saw were like, no, we can do this. Why, why are you guys so scared? Fear gets really big in our mind. Look what happens next. It says, all the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. Notice it said we felt. It didn't say we were. We felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. Now they're assuming what the, the people were thinking of them. If you get worried about what other people think of you, you'll never enter your promised land. If you're so consumed with other people's opinion and what they think of you, you might as well hang it up because if you think, oh, I, I can only do things that, that don't offend others. I can only do things that everyone agrees with. There's always a naysayer in every group that won't agree with what you want to do. So you cannot get caught up in what other people think of you. But one of the first things I want to mention here may surprise you. You may think this is all about faith, right? It's all about having faith in God and do we believe God can do this? Do we believe God can do that? I don't think there's anything I could say today if I use this phrase and said, do you believe God can do this? 
Do you believe God can do that? I think you would all say, well, yeah, God can do that. God can move mountains. Uh, I, do you believe that God could give you the home of your dreams? Oh yeah, God could do that. Do you believe God could give you the job of your dreams? Oh yeah, God. Do you think God could give you the person of your dreams? Oh yeah. Do, so we all believe all that. But that's not what I want to ask you. I want to ask you, do you believe you can do it? I, I was talking one time with a pastor named Stephen Furtick. He's a great friend and has an amazing ministry and he's a full of faith guy. So I asked him, this is years ago before we had our San Antonio campus. I said, Stephen, I just got a question for you. I've been really stirring on the inside about doing a campus about two and a half hours away. We've not done that before. It's gonna be a big campus, a lot of money, big investment. I just wanted to ask you, do you think we could do that? And I'm expecting him to tell me about, oh, God's a big God, Bill, and God can do anything. And I kind of expected this big faith answer. And he said, this, he said, Bill, my answer may surprise you. I don't think the issue is whether God can do it. I think the issue is whether you believe in yourself. Do you believe you can do it? Because we all know God can do it, but do you believe in yourself? I was a little surprised by that. But then I think about the scripture and the real issue with the promised land is do we see ourselves as men and women of God or do we see ourselves as grasshoppers? Because how you see yourself will determine your future. Would you write that down? The first thing I wanna leave you with today is this, how you see yourself will determine how you see your future. Now, oftentimes we walk around depressed, down, feeling small. Let me ask you something. What are you feeding on that's making you feel like a grasshopper? Quit feeding on that. What is it that you're watching that's intimidating to you? Maybe you're just drowning in social media and everyone's life seems so great and so perfect. My life is just not that good and I don't get to go places like that. And I don't know famous people like that person does and I don't travel here and there and I'm just a grasshopper. You gotta quit following people that make you feel like a grasshopper. So I don't know what it is that you find yourself feeding on, maybe certain TV shows, certain media, certain social media, but you gotta quit feeding on that stuff. Because what you feed on, you eventually believe. So if you're always feeding that everyone seems better than you, then you're gonna feel inferior when you're not inferior. You're a child of God. You're a child of the Most High. You can do amazing things. And can I give you another little shortcut to this? David actually gives us a little clue. David would speak to himself. He would say, oh, my soul is downcast. So how is David talking about his soul? It's almost like he's speaking from, from two different perspectives. He's saying, here's myself and here's my mind. So he was talking to his mind. Can I give you a little insight with, with this? The Bible confirms this over and over again. You are not your thoughts. You are not your mind. And let me tell you why this is important. Because if you begin to let your mind control things, your mind will always be telling you what's wrong with you. Every mind I know of is a critic. We're always criticizing, oh, if I was just taller, if I wasn't so fat, if I was younger, if I was in better shape, if I was smarter, if I knew better people, if I, if, if I you know, came from the right side of the tracks, if I had a better education, we're always telling ourselves what we're short on. In fact, your mind is an amazing calculator. It's, it's incredible. In fact, did you know that your mind is so good, whatever you ask it, it's gonna answer? So quit asking it the wrong questions. If you ask your mind, why am I such a loser? Guess what, your mind is so good, they give you about 15 reasons why you are. If at the same time you say, why am I such a winner? Your mind will give you about 15 reasons why you're a winner. So take control of your thoughts. Just because you think you're a grasshopper doesn't mean your mind's right. You need to tell your mind, no, that's not who I am in Christ. You're not gonna fill me with thoughts of negativity and how I can't do this and can't do that. You're gonna fill your mind full of what God can do through you and what God's already done in your life, which means if God did it in the past, he'll do it in the future. So I wanna challenge you to take control of your thoughts because what you think of yourself determines whether you enter your promised land. Quit seeing yourself as a grasshopper, you're not. Think about, it. let's just think about that in a real literal sense. Are you literally a grasshopper? <laughs> no, you're not. You're a human being, you're made in the image of God. You have greatness in you. Men, you're strong, God built you strong. 
Women, you're made in the image of God. No one has to tell you're beautiful. God made you in his image. Are you going to say God's ugly? No, you are beautiful. You are strong. You're full of potential. You're not a grasshopper. See yourself as God sees you, and that will release the potential that God has in your life, and therefore, you'll have a bigger future. You want a bigger future? We need a bigger you. Start seeing yourself as bigger than you are now because you are that size. You are full of that potential and promise that God gives you. Look what happens next. Then the whole community cried all night. So everyone got upset. So who did they listen to? Did they listen to the two guys that are speaking positive about their future? Oh, we can take the promised land. It's ours. If God wants to give it to us, we know he'll do it. Or they listen to the 10 negative. Did you know there's always more negative in the crowd than there are positive? That's how that works. This is why you want to break out of the crowd because normally the crowd is wrong. So we want to break out from that, right? So it says here, then the whole community cried all night in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. I love this. They're like, oh, we can't do it. So what do we do? We blame the leaders. Isn't that funny how we do that? We always blame the leaders. Let me just challenge you with this for a second. Are you blaming the leaders in some area of your life? You're like, well, if I had a better boss, then I'd have a better career. I mean, if I would have had a better professor, I would have had a better grade. Oh, really? Your professor determines whether you went home and read the textbook or not? I don't think so. Isn't it funny how we do that? And so we always blame someone other than ourselves for where we are in life. So they were upset with Moses and Aaron. They're idiots. They let us out here. Now we're going to die in the wilderness. I can't believe this is going to happen. And so rather than recognizing it's really not their issue, it's our lack of faith. And so but they wanted to blame others. It goes on to say this. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. You know, organizations that are caught up in the past are always changing out leaders. I've just noticed this churches that constantly have a new pastor all the time. Every couple of years, they fire the next one, then they fire the next one, they fire the next one. You, you know, they're like uh, perpetually saying, if, I could, if we could just get the right pastor, then we'd really move in our future. I think we're about four or five pastors past that. Maybe it's a faith issue because all these guys keep coming in with a new vision, new dream, and then you keep shooting it down. So maybe you're caught up in the past. Can I let you know something? Maybe it's not church related. Maybe for you, it's it, you see businesses that are caught up in the past. And guess what? Those businesses, they just constantly cycle through new CEOs. They fire that one. They fire this one. They fire that. In other words, they're always trying to blame it on the leader rather than saying maybe the organizational has a sickness. The whole organization does. We need to quit looking at the past, start looking at the future. Can I tell you something about your past? I hate to break it to you. Those who you who are past oriented, that's actually a sign you're lacking faith for your future when God does something better for you. And so would you write this down? Quit romancing your past. It wasn't that great. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just trying to help you out. We have a tendency, maybe for you, you're like, oh, high school was so great. And now my life is just not that great. You know what I want you to do if you feel that way? Go back to your high school. Go walk the halls. Because when you do, you're going to be like, wow, this building's kind of old now. And it's really small. This is nothing like I remember it. Right, because you were smaller back then. Your life, your perspective was smaller back then. It wasn't as great as you thought. Quit living in yesteryear. God has something new for you today. And I hope you did have a great past, but not all of us did. So for you, God, you need to know this, whether you had a great past or a bad past, God is future oriented. He's, he, he has now faith for us, but faith is believing in what's not seen yet. God has a future for you and it is a good future. So quit romancing that past and embrace your faith for the future. God has something new for you. Quit blaming everyone around you for why you're not where you want to be. Oh, if I had a better boss. Oh, if I had a better leader. Oh, if I just would have had a better youth minister. If I just would have had a better coach. If I just would, quit, quit blaming other people. Instead, say, you know what? Maybe the real issue is not Moses and Aaron. Maybe the issue is as Israelites, we're lacking faith. 
Do you realize they literally said, why can't we go back to Egypt? They were saying, can we go back to slavery? Somehow they made slavery better. That, you gotta work hard to make slavery better. But they did. Isn't it amazing when we get fearful how we will cling to things that didn't work and make them in our minds act like they did. When they didn't, it wasn't working. But yet we still want that. Well, I hate being single and I just don't believe God for a future. Maybe I'll just go back to my old boyfriend. You mean the one who treated you like, like a total jerk? You mean that one? You wanna go back to that? Like, it, did you forget why y'all broke up? Isn't it amazing how we run backwards? Don't do that, that's a lack of faith. God has a future for you and it is a good future. Your belief in your future tells me your belief in your God. Do you believe God is a good God or not? Because he has a good future for you. Let's keep going, check it out. Joshua and Caleb said, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. The Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Oh, that's smart. Let's get rid of them too. Isn't it funny how they just went after anyone who was filled with faith, they attack. Can I tell you something right now? If you're full of faith, people who lack faith will come at you, will attack you. Just want to encourage you. If those of you feel like, I feel like people are against me. The moment I began to live for God, everything went bad. That's because people who aren't living for God, you stepping out in faith highlights the fact that they're not. I just want to encourage you with this. Don't be discouraged that not everyone is going to fill you full of encouragement because there's a lot of people that what they're doing is they're taking their fear and they're projecting it onto you. When they say, no, you can't do that. God's not gonna bless that. What they're really saying is, I don't believe God's gonna bless me. I don't believe I can do it. So please do not, listen, don't take the opinion of people who aren't going anywhere because they're gonna try to convince you not to go anywhere either. So be very careful who you listen to. Listen to the spies that believe in their future, not the ones who believe in their demise. Listen to the right people. So look what happens next. Whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? Even after all the miraculous signs I've done among them, I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. A plague? Uh, isn't that another word for virus? Ha, it's like God's getting people's attention through a virus. Boy, it's, it's too bad the scripture doesn't apply today. Couldn't it be that the whole reason our world has come to a stop is God is saying, you don't realize what you're missing out on. You think this is good, but you're actually still in your wilderness. God's saying, I have something so much better for you and I will get your attention. I will shut everything down you could count on to realize you can really only count on the Lord. I wanna challenge you with this. Are you listening to the naysayers in your life? Are you listening to those who are small grasshopper mentality people? Are you gonna believe the prophets of the future, those who say we have a good future, God has a blessed path for us. You know what, don't be intimidated by those people you think are big giants. You know, the larger they are, the faster and harder they fall. And so you gotta believe that God has a future for you. What does this mean for you and me? Number three, what keeps us out of our promised land is two things, disobedience and unbelief. Now I wanna talk about this, I wanna unpack this. The two things that keep us out of our promised land, Disobedience. I've spent a lot of time the last few weeks talking about disobeying the Lord and how that keeps us tied to our slavery, which Egypt represents slavery here, right? Talked a lot about disobedience. I wanna focus on that right now. Instead, I wanna focus on this, also unbelief. Let me tell you what I mean by that. If you are new in the Lord and young, 
typically younger Christians by age or by faith. Maybe you just, maybe you're in your 50s, but you just came to the Lord. You got a lot of faith, man, you believe God. Or maybe you're 20 something and you're new in your faith. Either way, here's what happens. You have a lot of belief in God, but you, so you take God really seriously, but you may not take sin very seriously. So young people tend to do that. They, they, they love a big movement of God and great worship experience and God's moving powerfully. And we wanna see him do great things, but we don't take our sin very seriously. So it stops us from our promised land. Older people in the Lord and older people in age, guess what they tend to do? They tend to take sin very seriously. They just don't take God very seriously. So they're all about, oh, we need to tell them not to do this and not do that. But then when God breaks out and does revival, they go, whoa, 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 what are we doing? What are we doing? This is crazy. I can't control this. You're not supposed to control it. That's God doing his work. But if we can find people who will take sin seriously and God seriously, you'll enter your promised land. You gotta take both. You gotta take your sin seriously and say, God, I know that where I'm going, this can't go. You gotta take God seriously that God, I believe you'll lead me there. And I believe you'll take care of me. I believe that, that I can listen to you and you have an amazing future for my life. Is God getting your attention right now? And so where is it that you're struggling? Is it, is it the fact that God is speaking to you about your sin? Or maybe you say, oh, I'm past that, man. I'm not doing all those dumb things I used to do. That's great. But the other thing that keeps you from your promised land isn't your sin. It's, it's the fact that you don't believe God for more. God has more for your life. The Christian life is not about behavior modification. Just don't do these five bad sins. The Christian life is more than just don't go to a club and don't you know, get drunk and don't sleep with someone other than your spouse. I mean, please don't do those things, but there's more to life than that. You say, well, I'm, I'm not doing any of those bad things. Great, can you build on that now and begin to do the right things and begin to step out in faith? God has more for you and me. Look what happens next. Before I go into the next section of scripture that I wanna stop, I was marinating on the scripture for literally weeks. I knew this was coming. I was actually gonna go through the story of Joshua rather than talk about Caleb, but the Lord kind of turned me into talking about Caleb more. As I prepared for the sermon today, I'm just gonna be real honest with you. I flipped up my laptop and I pulled up my notes that had been sitting there dormant for the last couple of weeks. I've been adding to it a little here and there, going over them, but I hadn't really added a whole lot. But I know where I'm going, I'm good. I opened up the laptop and I looked over to my left and I had my journal and my one-year Bible sitting there in my laptop. And I looked at that and I was like, yeah, kind of pressed for time. God, I got this open the laptop, begin to type. And I just sense the Lord say, really, you got this? You're just gonna go ahead? Why don't you go ahead, go ahead and do this without me? I was like, okay, God, I, I didn't mean it that way. You ever had a dialogue in your head with God? I was having that. I was like, well, Lord, I didn't, I don't mean I got this. I mean, I, mean, I feel like you already got, you already gave me a word. And so I'm, I'm just gonna move forward. He's like, yeah, without me? Just maybe a word to the young preachers that are listening in or the aspiring ones. You never really wanna start a sermon what you think you should talk about. You want to go to the Lord, see what he wants. And even if all he wants is just to remind you that he's in charge, that's worth stopping. So I sat there for a moment and everything in me just wanted to plow through it. And I just was like, okay, God, <laughs> I'm not going to do this. So I closed my laptop, pushed it away. And I grabbed my journal and I didn't have a lot of time. I'm not going to lie. So I opened my journal up to write a few things down. And as I did that, um, if you can see this, that's, that's all I wrote down. It's kind of short. Wasn't a lot there. Just a couple of sentences. I was like, okay, God, I'm, I got a lot going on, but I guess you know that. So I remember just writing, okay, I, I just said, thank you for being in my life. Lord, I do love you. Please speak to me. I'm, I know you have a word for me today. Basically, I was saying, God, I'm, I realized I was about to plow ahead without you. So Lord, speak to me. Then I took my one-year Bible and I opened it up. And if you have a one-year Bible, it, 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 I love it because it gives you a little bit of Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs every day, divides it up. So I began to read it. And I'm not gonna lie to you, I didn't get a lot out of it. 
<laughs> I was reading along and I was like, okay, I mean, that's, that's fine, that's good. And there was a couple things I got that I wrote down that were more personal just for me. And I was like, okay, Lord, I hear you speaking to me and I underline those things. And I went back in my journal, I just wrote two things. I was, okay, Lord, I heard you speaking to me here and I wrote it down. And then I closed up my journal and I put it up and I opened the laptop up and I felt the Lord tell me, don't know that you missed a part. <laughs> I was like, God, I really got to get going there. I got stuff. And I felt the Lord tell me, did I not tell you something? Okay, okay. Got out my journal, opened it back up. And this is a scripture I wrote down that the Lord showed me that. It didn't make any sense to me at the time, but I knew that God had something in my spirit just kind of popped. You ever had that where just like something in you raises up inside and you're like, okay, I don't know why you wanted to tell me that, but I'm going to acknowledge that you did tell me that. So here's the verse God gave me. Psalms 29, four and seven through eight says this, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. The voice of the Lord makes the barren wilderness quake. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. Basically what this is saying, if, if you're in the middle of a wilderness, just imagine being there in the middle of the night, it's quiet. You just hear little bitty things, you know, not a whole lot. And all of a sudden you hear lightning strike. You hear thunder strike and lightning, right? I mean, it just hits the forest. You, whoa! I mean, anything that was asleep is awake now. That's the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord shakes everyone and everything to attention, just like thunder and lightning. Okay, Lord, got out my journal, didn't want to disobey, didn't understand, but the last line I wrote was, the voice of the Lord is powerful. Okay, God, I know you want me to acknowledge that. I don't know why, but your voice is powerful, Lord. Put my journal up, open the laptop back up, began to go at these notes and began to read through the story of Caleb. And then I got to this scripture and then it made sense to me why God has stopped me. It says this in Numbers chapter 14, I will pardon Israel as you have requested. You know, the pardon here, this is where Moses, because God has said to Moses, these people aren't believing me for the promised land. I'll smite all of them. I'll just wipe them out. And God said to Moses, I mean, excuse me, Moses said to God, God, please don't do that. Remember Moses plays Jesus in this Old Testament story. And so Moses is playing the savior, the all ultimate story, old, Old Testament stories, excuse me, are actually prophecy of a New Testament reality of Christ. They're, they're not just stories, they really happen. But Moses went to set the people free just like Jesus sets us free. So God says, according to my justice, they don't believe in me, I'm gonna wipe them all out. That would be according to the justice of God. But Moses said, please don't do that, Lord. What would the Egyptians think if they saw that you, these are your people and they're all gone now? Please don't do that, Lord. They're wrong. I know they're wrong, but would you give them mercy? And God says to Moses, he says this, I will pardon Israel as you have requested. Isn't that what God does for us? He says, I'm gonna pardon you of your sin. I'll save you through Christ. But then it goes on to say this, but not one of these people will ever enter that land. They have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I perform both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my what? Voice. Okay, God, I hear you loud and clear. The voice of the Lord is powerful. It's so powerful if you don't listen to it, it's the difference between whether you get to your promised land or you simply get pardoned. You just get saved, but you don't fully experience your potential, the fullness of God, the promised land that God has for you. How many of us are saved I mean, God saved us. He, at no point did he say to Israel, you're not my people anymore. He said, you're still my people. You're just not gonna get what I had set up for you. Now, do you really wanna live there? Do you wanna just be, well, I'm saved. 
but I'm living in the wilderness. I mean, I'm not in slavery, but I'm not where I should be. Do you really want to live there? Do you really want to miss your full potential? Then listen to the voice of the Lord. When we're new in our faith, when we're in Egypt, and we recognize there's a God in our life, we feel like every time God talks to us, it's always to correct us. When people say, I don't like listening to the voice of the Lord. Every time he talks to me, he's convicting me of the wrong music, the wrong people, the wrong places, the wrong habits. I feel like I do everything wrong. Why do I want to listen to the voice of the Lord? It's all negative. But, but, but that's like a Marine joining the Marines, going to boot camp, and in the first three weeks, deciding whether or not he should be a Marine. That's the toughest part. They're breaking you down. They're telling you, you got to make your bed and you got to get up at this hour and you got to learn to run and you got to do calisthenics and all the things you don't want to do. You're like, this is miserable. Why do I have to press my suit perfectly and have my shoes on perfectly and, and always say, yes, sir. And yes, sir, Sergeant. I mean, this is just, ah, this is just breaking me down because we got to break you down to build you up. We got to knock out the boyhood to bring in the manhood. We got to get rid of the civilian to make you a great soldier who will be proud to serve and one of the greatest fighting forces the world has ever known. God says, my voice may seem negative right now. It's because you're still living in Egypt. And so I'm trying to get Egypt out of you. First of all, we're gonna get you out of Egypt, but then we gotta get Egypt out of you. You gotta quit thinking like a slave. So my voice may seem negative. Or as the Bible says, put off the old self. But then the second part of the voice of the Lord is the faith. Put on the new self. So if you'll listen to God's voice when he says, don't do this and don't do that and don't go there and don't hang out with this person and don't, 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 then God's saying, I'm not trying to run you down. I'm trying to replace it with a now do this and do hang out with that person and do go there and I've got this for you and I've got a great future and I've got a great plan. But the voice of the Lord has to be listened to on both ends. Don't get caught knocking the voice of the Lord. It's powerful. It'll break you down, but then he will build you into greatness. So what happens next? He says, I will pardon Israel as you have requested, but not one of these people will ever enter the land. They have all seen my glorious presence and miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. Now it says this, but my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the promised land. Now he tells them all, turn around and you must head back to the wilderness. That is the most depressing scripture in the Old, in the Old Testament. He says, oh yeah, because you didn't listen to me? Yeah, you can see the promised land? Yeah, turn around, you're not getting it. Wow, because you didn't listen to the voice of the Lord. Number four, you will miss God's promised land for you if you ignore his voice speaking to you. And the last thing I wanna leave you with this is this. Numbers 14, this is what he says. This is gonna sting, I'm not gonna lie, it's gonna hurt. But truth that hurts also sets you free. So what does he say? He says, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. You will all drop dead in the wilderness because you complained against me. You will not enter and occupy the promised land. He says, I'm gonna do what you say. He says, oh, so you believe you're just gonna die here in the wilderness and you, and you believe that I'm not a good God and I'm not gonna take care of you. I'm not gonna lead you in the promised land. Okay, you know what? I'll fulfill your belief. That's what you believe, I'll fulfill that. The 10 spies and all those agreed with him. Oh, so you don't believe I can do this? No problem, I'll deliver that for you. But two spies said, we believe you're a good God. We believe you got a future for us. We believe this promised land is gonna be ours. We believe you can do all this more. He says, because you believe, I'll give you that. You tell me what you believe, I'll tell you your future. You believe God has great plans for your life? He does. You believe God will stop you cold and it's not gonna be that great and he's probably not gonna come through for you. And it's just not, he'll come through on that for you. 
You tell me where your faith is. Is your faith in the negative that it's not going to work out? Or is your faith in the positive that it is going to work out? Because I hate to break it to you, you are your own self-fulfilling prophet of your life. What do you believe in God for? If you more, don't expect more. If you believe God for less, you'll have less. He will give you what you are believing for. Number five, God will give you what you are believing for. It's time to believe for more in your life. The two things that keep you from the promised land, disobedience and unbelief. Don't disobey God and believe God for more. He's got big things for you. Let's take a moment to bow our heads and pray. You know, talking about belief, do you believe that God has sent his son for you? Because he has. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. Then he rose again, proving that he's God. Now he waits for you and me to individually receive him. You can pray this prayer with me right now. You can receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Pray this with me. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just pray that prayer, then Christ has come in your heart. But maybe your prayer today is to say, God, forgive me. I know I've been pardoned. I have been saved from my sin, but I have not been listening to your voice. And I realize it's powerful. And if I listen to it or don't listen to it, determines my future. So God, I'm gonna listen to your voice of conviction. I'm gonna listen to your voice of faith, because if I'll do that, I know you'll lead me into a great promised future. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. May we be people that don't miss out on the full potential you have for us, but instead be people of your promise because we hear, listen, and obey your voice. In your name we pray, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.